Musette lost her husband at the Battle of Franklin, when a Union soldier shot him dead while he was drunkenly relieving himself under a persimmon tree. We rest easy, knowing he didn't feel a thing. Braxton Bell's life didn't bear enough fruit to fill a Dixie cup. But few men rise to the occasion. Most leave nothing more to show for their time on this earth than a stone to mark where their bones are buried. Musette wore black for the rest of her life, but then black was always her best color. And not a day passed that she didn't brush the leaves from Braxton's grave and kiss his granite marker. History may sweep aside the ordinary man, but women have a memory like flypaper. Women love who they love. There is no rhyme or reason. Musette never loved another man. However, she didn't object to men loving her. They say she welcomed more men into her harbor than the Statue of Liberty. Despite the fact that every wife, widow, and spinster in town prayed for her early demise, Musette lived to be an old woman and died in her sleep. They buried her body in the cemetery next to the house overlooking the river. But her spirit lingers like a lover's perfume. Musette's grave is marked with a white marble likeness of her that is so real, if you stare too long, you'll swear her head turns your way, and her stone breast rises and falls. Naked as a jaybird, she stares a man straight in the eyes with a look on her face that is far from pious. On either side of her, fully robed angels, hands folded in prayer, gaze longingly toward heaven as if to say, Lord, help us. One man's art is another man's ache, and Musette continues to be as big a pain in the ass dead as she was alive. For over a hundred years, the aesthetically challenged have frigidly fought to have Musette removed, or at the very least, covered. But money beats morality like paper beats rock. When an art professor from Nashville scrubbed the moss off the base and found Rodin, Carved into the stone, the balance of power shifted. The Historical Society immediately threw up a brass plaque declaring Musette an historic monument. Now scholars come from miles around to debate whether she is indeed an authentic Rodin of Paris or an authentic Bowden from Memphis, whose family has been carving top-notch tombstones for as far back as anyone can remember. Wherever the truth lies, and around these parts, truth reclines on a regular basis. Many a young man has familiarized himself with the female anatomy while studying the statue of Musette Bell, just as quite a few of their ancestors learned from studying the real thing. Even in death, Musette continues to shock the good citizens of Leaper's Fork, and her descendants are doing their best to carry on her legacy. Musette begat Solange, who begat Charlotte and Odette, who begat Angela, who begat Dixie. If there is one thing Belle women are fond of, it is begetting. Some women barter their bodies like whores with wedding bands. Some use sex like a sword. But some women can touch a man and heal like Jesus. The man who sees sunrise from a Belle woman's bed will swear he's been born again. Chapter 1 
1920, Odette Bell's hot air balloon was struck by lightning and dropped out of the sky like a pigeon that had been shot. No one was surprised. God had been gunning for her for years. His feelings for the man she happened to be straddling at the time are pure speculation. Spectators standing on the ground below said they could hear Odette laughing all the way down. It was more of a cackle, really, one of those laughs that promises a man he's missing the ride of his life. The attorneys who handled Odette's affairs solemnly drew straws to see who would deliver her belongings to her next of kin. Fortified with a pint of moonshine, the lawyer who lost handed Odette's bastard baby to Charlotte Bell on a pillow, then ran for his life. Who in their right mind would give me a baby to raise? Charlotte demanded incredulously. Charlotte Bell had been turning heads and raising eyebrows for twenty-three years. It was commonly held that she was a cold-hearted vamp who thought nothing of stealing other women's husbands. The truth was, she had no taste for domesticated men, except when the pickings were slim. Even then, she did not steal them. She merely took them for a joyride. People are always making messes for the rest of us to clean up, Charlotte said, slowly exhaling cigar smoke over the child. Charlotte had no time for weak men or foolish women. She especially disliked tedious people. Since it had been her experience that most people were tedious, she disliked most people. Odette had fallen, as it were, into the foolish woman category. Except for the canceled checks in their trust fund, Charlotte had not seen or heard from her half-sister in years. Even by Belle's standards, Odette had been a wild one. How she had stayed in the missionary position long enough to get pregnant was a mystery. If this puppy is as foolish as her mother, Charlotte said, we ought to do the world a favor and drop it in a pond. Head tilted and hands folded on top of her apron, Charlotte's housekeeper studied the child critically. Perfectly content, the baby sucked on the corner of the pillowcase as if it had been dipped in caramel. Letty had no doubt the child's taste for bed linen was a sign of things to come. She's a bell, all right. Dropped out of the womb flirting with the doctor. Don't go getting yourself attached, Charlotte ordered firmly, as if wantonness was a universally sought-after quality in a child. She's just passing through. Charlotte spent her nights at the poor man's country club, and her days sleeping off her nights. She liked her whiskey straight up and her men gone in the morning. The last thing she wanted was a baby, be it hers or anyone else's. It took nearly a month to find a relative who would take her niece. You're handing her over to Maud Meeks? Letty huffed incredulously. Why, I wouldn't give that buzzard a rock to tend. Dismissing the old woman with a wave of her hand, Charlotte set her jaw and scratched her signature on the check. Nothing hurt Charlotte more than parting with her hard, inherited cash. Holding the baby tight to her shoulder, Letty stared down at the check. It's absolutely amazing what the goodness of one's heart costs these days. It'd be cheaper to keep her.
Old woman, don't start that mess, Charlotte said as she crammed the check into an envelope and ran her tongue along the seal. We're not taking in every stray someone drops on the front porch. Well, Letty said, laying the baby in Charlotte's arms before she could stop her. At least hold her till I get her things. Jesus Christ, Charlotte fussed and fumbled with the pink flannel bundle as if her body were trying to reject it. Arms crossed, Letty stood at the door studying the two of them. One would assume they were mother and daughter, except Charlotte would most likely eat her young. You two was cut from the same cloth, Letty said. Trouble from start to finish. Hell, Charlotte said, head tilted down at the child. This one's gonna make me look like a saint. I reckon that Church of Christ cousin of yours will scare the spice out of her, Letty sniffed on her way out the door. Letty was a born-again Baptist. It had been Charlotte's observation that while the Baptists and the Church of Christ shared the same how-to manual, there was considerable brand loyalty. As soon as Letty was out of sight, Charlotte opened the top drawer of her desk, tossed out the contents, and dropped the baby in. Fist crammed in her mouth, the child looked up at Charlotte, black eyes wide as shot glasses. Nothing personal, Charlotte said, taking a long, thin cigar out of the humidor. It's strictly business. Bell women were known for their skills in the bedroom and the boardroom. On a good day, the two merged. Dark velvet curtains draped the windows in Charlotte's office, and fringe silk shawls muted the Tiffany lamps.